Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. I need everybody to put their right hand in the air. Oh, I need my, uh, I need my, we're going to do it. We're going to do a thing tonight. Um, thank you. There you are. So listen, I know you probably came here tonight with tons of questions. And so we believe that here at Citizens, that we can find answers to life's biggest questions. And so we're going to do something a little bit different. I want to simply answer your questions. Okay. And so I'm not trying to say I'm the smartest guy in the world, but I'm up there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not talking about, like, top three, but, like, top ten for sure, okay? And so you guys have asked questions, and I simply want to answer those questions, okay? And so let's just prepare our hearts for the wisdom that we're about to receive, okay? This is a question from an anonymous citizen. Dear Sam, what is the Kool-Aid man's name? You know, I've actually thought long and hard. I've cogitated and meditated on this, and I think that the answer, my friends, is your mom. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that wisdom. Like I said, top 10, not top three. Okay, next question. Dear Sam, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a watermelon? <laughs> you may be surprised by this because I'm only 28 years old, but I have actually accomplished this feat. At the age of six, I left my home and all that I knew, and I ventured off into the forest behind my house, and I learned that the answer is Marcus Hamby. <clears throat> yep. Another question here. Dear Sam, who will my child look like? <laughs> Dear God, no. Dear God. <laughs> Marcus Hamby. No, 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 no. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but I figure that the honest truth is the best truth. And so I want you to know that your child will look like waffles. <laughs> How many people know that their child's going to look like waffles, right? Yes, Danae, the more waffles you eat, that's how it works. Let's do a few more here, a few more here. We should probably get serious by the look on Courtney's face. What is green and has wheels? I think it's what it says. <laughs> Wait, that's the question. That's the question. The answer to what is green and has wheels is clearly Fortnite. You guys knew that, right? You're like, that's how you explain the secret level. One more, one more here, one more here. Dear Sam, out of all of the bears in the world, which bear is best? Now, this actually reminds me of summer of 2012, where I ventured to the South Pole to study all the different types of bears, because they all live there. And I learned deep in the recesses of the South Pole that the answer is the one who has toes. Toes. That is pretty good. You like that wisdom? Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, um, how many people would say that if we called it a night right now, that you'd go home and say, Mom, I received hashtag wisdom? Hashtag wisdom. That was a word for somebody. Toes? Waffles? That was good. 
Now, if you're, dude, Kool-Aid man is, I should have said the Kool-Aid man's name is Marcus Hamby. That would have been, yeah, do you guys not know who the Kool-Aid man is? Oh, you know him? She knows the Kool-Aid man personally. All right, that's great. So I realize that there may be some of you here, and this is your first time, like, Sterling. You're like, what kind of church is this, bro, right? So we, th- these are kind of silly questions, but there are some big questions in life, right? There are some big questions. You're in middle school, you're in high school, and you are asking yourself some of life's biggest questions, right? All, every single one of you have been asked, oops, every single one of you have been asked, <laughs> every single one of you have been asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? How many of you have been asked that question, right? Right? So you're, waffles! Yeah, that's always the answer. I just gave you wisdom. The answer is, I want to be waffles or Marcus Hamby. That's all you need. And you're there, all right? That's one of life's biggest questions. I actually do want to be Marcus Hamby when I grow up. I've told him that on numerous occasions. Here's another question. Here's another question. Listen to this. You're talking, and, uh, you know, your teacher's like, dropping these huge existential bombs on your life of what do you want to do when you grow up? And you're like, I'm only 14. And then you finally come down from that. And she goes, okay, okay. So you probably want to be successful, right? Yeah. How do you define success? You're like, I don't even know. I'm only 14 and a half. Because you like advanced six months in the last five minutes. Then there's one of the biggest questions of all. There are many in this room who still may not know the answer to this question, but one of life's biggest questions is, where do babies come from, right? That's not today, <laughs> all right? Sixth grader just took out their pen like, click, finally. <laughs> Here's the answer. Go ask mom, <laughs> all right? But listen, listen, right? These are some questions that like you got to figure out in life. These are big questions. These are some of the greatest mysteries in our life. But I dare say that tonight there's an even bigger question. I dare say that tonight I'm going to show you a question that is even bigger, that is an even greater mystery than where do babies come from? And so some of you are wondering right now, some of you are wondering right now, what question could possibly be bigger than that? And I would ask you to come with me to think about last week. Last week, we started here, right? And we saw that God, everybody say God. God is making dead people alive. We saw throughout the book, hey guys over here, let's focus the energy up this way. You may be new to citizens. And so this is one of the most important times that we do. And so focus this way, right? What we learned last week is that God is making dead people alive. We saw in the book of Colossians that people, just like you and me, who are born dead in their sins, are made alive by God. And we say, but how do you know, Sam? How do you know, Paul? And we said, the way that you know anything. There's evidence. And we saw that God is making dead people alive, and we see the evidence of faith, love, and hope. And so the question I want to ask you tonight is, if this is true, If this is true, if we're seeing evidence of this in the book of Colossians, if we're seeing evidence of this, even at Citizens Youth, my question to you is how, thank God for new life, how does God make dead people live? How does God 
make dead people live? How do people go from being born dead in their sins? How do people go from being disconnected from God and wandering through life? How do they go from here, living in the kingdom of darkness, to experiencing new life? And so we're going to answer that question as we continue through the book of Colossians. So I ask you, how does God make dead people live? Have you ever wondered for yourself, those of you who are Christians, Those of you who have experienced new life and you're alive in Christ, how did God make you alive? What did God do in your life to bring your dead heart to become a living heart? And we find the answer to that question in our text tonight. So turn with me. We're going to continue in Colossians chapter 1 and we pick it back up in verse 5. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? I could simply ask the question and then reach into the bucket, but I don't think we're going to find as many good answers in this bucket, right? How does God make dead people live? Waffles, another Marcus Hamby, another Marcus Hamby, and then dogs, okay? And we could look in here, but here's the thing that we do at Citizens, and that's why I ask my friends over here to stop talking and to focus their energy up here, because at Citizens, we believe that the answer to life's biggest questions— We believe that the answers that will transform the life of a high school student are not found in a bucket from their peers. We believe that the answers are found in God's word. And so I'm gonna ask you that over the next 20 minutes as we talk about this, that you honor this, that we respect this. Uh, Again, those of you who are new, you're not gonna see people texting and and passing notes to their neighbor because this is of, of utmost importance. This is not a club. This is not a social club. We are here to deal with some of the biggest things that we could ever deal with in life. And so as we open up the Bible, my friends over here, we're going to continue to focus their energy toward the front as we read the scriptures. You guys ready? Everybody say, come on, friends. Come on, friends. friends, They want you. All right, here we go. Thanks, Drew. Here we go. Starting in verse 5, it says, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. How does God make dead people live, students? Are you ready for this? Are you ready? I just read you. We only got three verses. We're going to read. I'm so far from you. I just, all right. How does God make dead people live? So let's, let's do this. This is all we do at Citizens. We read a passage of scripture, Sterling, and then we just like scroll down it and we talk about it. It's very simple. Are you guys ready? All right, let's do this. Let's look back at the first verse here. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. The first thing we see here is that the gospel, the word of the truth, everybody say the gospel, it's being compared to something. There's a metaphor here, and so I love metaphors, so whenever the Bible is like, it's like this, or it's as this, because there's similes and metaphors, I remember, whenever the Bible uses a metaphor, I jump on that, and I love that. And so do you notice the metaphor here? Do you notice the metaphor that he uses in the scripture? 
what Paul is saying is that the gospel is a seed. The gospel over here, the gospel is a seed. It's like a seed. What's a seed? When was the last time you guys held a seed? You guys go into your closet, you open the door, and you grab the seed, right? And you carry the seed over to your table, and you take out the fork and the knife, and you just begin cutting your seed, right? Tia's looking at me funny. Is, is because is that how big a seed is? Or is it, is it more like this? What fits in your hand. It's tiny. You look at a seed, and you go, dude, that's so small. That is so insignificant. What can possibly come from that seed? So here's even even one of the biggest seeds. You hold this in the palm of your hand and you go, what could possibly come from that? But I'll tell you what, every single place and every single time, wherever a seed is planted, it does something wild. You're not gonna believe this, Anna. Every single time a seed is planted, you know what it does? It grows. It grows. You look at the seed and you go, this is so small. What could possibly come from this? And yet what we fail to realize is that packed into that tiny little seed is a powerful potential. And you may have never thought of this, but do you realize that this little thing right here, you ready? Everybody look. That little thing right there, produce that. An entire forest, think about it, an entire forest came from a seed. Inside of a little seed is packed the power and the potential for life. And everywhere you throw a seed, it grows. Because that's what seeds do. And what Paul is saying is, that's what the gospel do. Everywhere that the seed of the gospel has ever been scattered, anywhere that you take the seed and you throw it, I don't care what the demographic is, I don't care what the culture is, I don't care what the time period is, everywhere that the seed of the gospel is thrown, it produces new life. And just like a little seed has packed inside of it the potential for an entire forest, so the gospel has packed inside of it the potential for new life. And God uses this seed to make dead hearts live. The gospel's a seed. And so as we walk through, back through time to Colossae, we realize, oh, that's what happened in Colossae. The gospel was spread among the soils of men's hearts and it blossomed into new life. Look around. That's that's the same exact thing that has happened here, students. All throughout this room, there are those of you who say, I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian. I don't live for myself anymore. Jesus is my king. Many of you in this room have been baptized, and you say, man, I'm alive. Many of you have shared testimonies about what your life was like before Christ came in, about your identity and your purpose, and you were dead. But you're alive now. And how does that happen? because of the gospel. The gospel has taken root in your heart and it has blossomed. It's like you just, it's like you the seed down and then you cover it and you, you don't blow on seeds, I guess. You water it, right? You water it and you're like, you get the sunlight and it's just like, right? Like that's what's happened in your heart. And so I, I'm being funny here, but I need you to understand what happened to me. How did God make a dead person live? It started with the seed of the gospel. 
everywhere the gospel goes. It's powerful. That's why Paul says, he says it here, in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. You know that when you take the seed and you go to China and you start to speak and spread this seed, do you know that people in China become alive? That there are followers of Christ in China. Do you know that when you take this seed and you go, maybe that's just the climate, you take the seed and you go to Africa where it's even illegal in many places and you start to spread the seed, you realize that that seed even grows in Africa. And you take the seed all the way to Australia and you go to, I guess people don't live in Antarctica, do they? I'm, I'm sure, you never know. But if there were, it would grow. Because that's what seeds do. And that's what the gospel do. And so Paul says here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel. And you know what, citizens? Neither are we. Neither are we. Citizens will be a place where every single week our friends can hear the life-changing, death-defying, powerful message of the gospel. You have friends in your life. You have family in your life. This is what they need. They need the seed. Put that on a t-shirt, athlete. Can you write that down real quick? T-shirt, need the seed. Maybe we start like a little like movement. Hashtag need the seed. Feed the seed for the need. No, no, we'll work on it. First draft, it's rough, right? But listen, guys, like your world needs the seed. This is not just like an indoor church thing at youth group. Your, your world needs the seed. Do you understand that the world is not sad needing to be made happy? The world is dead needing to be made alive. And the way that God makes dead people live, he plants a seed. And when he plants a seed, it goes. Okay. So how does God make dead people live? It starts with a seed. And what's the seed? The gospel, the seed is the gospel. But there's more. Because in the same way that you can't just plant a seed and leave it alone, in the, in the same way that there's more required after planting, God does a little bit more even after the seed. So it starts with the seed, but look what else happens to the seed. You guys ready? Everybody say next. That's a way that you can mentally cue your mind to go, man, I fell off, but now I'm getting back on because this is the second point. And so the outline makes it very easy for me to jump back into the sermon here with my attention span. Great, here we go. Everybody say next. Yes. It starts with the seed of the gospel and then look what he says. As it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So it started with a seed that needs to be understood. It needs to be understood. And so what we mean here, students, is that it's not enough for us to walk around talking about the gospel. Hey, Eleni, did you hear about the gospel? Oh my gosh, the gospel. I love the gospel, the gospel. Everybody, let's sing. I love the gospel, I love the gospel. And we talk about the gospel. The go is that even a word anymore? Gospel, gospel. Like, what? It's not enough to talk about the gospel because then all that people are gonna do is go, um... What's the gospel? So there needs to be more than just hearing about the gospel. We see here that the Colossians, they heard it and they understood the gospel. 
So some of you are here and you're like, wow, this guy really is into the teaching thing. Oh my gosh, who gave him a microphone? Listen, there's a reason why this is such a big part of what we do. Because unless you understand the gospel, I might as well be speaking Chinese. I might as well be speaking Spanish. Athletes like, I speak Spanish. But you get what I'm saying, right? The gospel needs to be understood clearly. And so that's why we are so big around here about explaining things. That's why we are so big around here about teaching the gospel very clearly because we want people to understand it. And so we break it down. So we repeat it. So we talk about it every week. We get inside of our small groups and we go, um, I have a question. And nobody's ever gonna go, dude, Marcus Hamby's asking another question. Marcus Hamby's only the answer, not the question. (laughs) There's a reason why we talk about this so much because the gospel seed needs to be understood. We need to hear it and understand it. This could have been a light bulb because it needs to not just go in one ear and out the other. It needs to go in the ear and just go bing. Like it's like like a in and up, not an in and out. We'll work on it. Need to feed the seed, okay? So if the gospel is a seed that needs to be understood. And so I wanna help you understand the gospel because I've just said the word gospel many times here and maybe you're one of those students that are going, um, what's it mean? And so let me tell you the gospel. Can I tell you the gospel story? Gospel simply means good news. Something has happened. And when we tell you what has happened here, we don't call it news because you can find the news anywhere. This is like the news. As a matter of fact, we call it the good news, which is gospel. And so here's the gospel story. Here's the news that every single one of you in this room, if you're a lady, raise your hand. Okay, nice. If you're a dude, raise your hand. Okay, so everybody in this room, you were born. You're like, oh, I still don't know where babies come from. Let's just jump ahead. You were born, okay? Somehow, you were born, and every single one of you were born in the image of God, and you were created. I'm gonna teach you what I call the gospel handshake here, all right, so that we can never forget the gospel. You were created to live with God and for God, okay? So God, the creator of the universe, created you to live with him and for him. But guess what happens? Every single one of us, we reject God. Every single one of you, at some point in your life, you say, uh, I think I'm going to do it my way. In other words, I think I'm going to be God. I think I'm going to decide how to live life. I like your, I, I like your ideas, Mr. Designer, but I think I'm going to try my design." And we think that we're pursuing life. We think that we're pursuing success and abundant life. And yet what's really happening is we're running away from life. And we find ourselves in what the Bible calls the kingdom of darkness. We find ourselves pursuing things. You find yourself in middle school and high school pursuing things that are not part of the design. And you go, man, I thought this would make me happy. What's going on? I thought I would feel alive. But the problem is you're not living the way that you were created to live. And you're not living with whom you were created to live. And so you know what you do. You know the story. You do all the things that this world has told you to do to get back to feeling like you were thriving. And we try all these different things and we try 
success and we try sports and we and we just get better grades and we just we we spiritual and we we can go to church and we do all these things thinking surely that will make me thrive and you know what's funny it's as if we're trying to jump and touch the moon it's impossible and i don't care how old you are you know what i'm saying is true that no matter what you do to try to fulfill yourself it's not enough Because I don't care how many friends you have, I don't care how successful you are, I don't care what your grades are, at the end of the day when you're lying your head on your pillow, you're alone. And it's only you. And in that moment of aloneness, you go, man, I still feel the gap. But the handshake continues, students, because yes, you were created to live with him and for him. Yes, every single one of us has rejected a savior, but check it out. When we couldn't get to God, guess what he did? He came to us and Jesus Christ came to earth and he grabbed us and he captures us and he saves us and he tells us that God doesn't hate us but that he actually is willing to forgive forgive us of our sins. That he's actually not gonna just be done with us forever but he's willing to reconcile like friends who have been fighting for years but embrace and he brings us back to live in fellowship with God. I want to see you guys doing that handshake around school. Yo, what's up, bro? Ah. It's great. It's the next cheerleading squad. Check it out, okay? And so it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny because the gospel is like this, right, where I can explain that handshake to my three-year-old, right? And some of you are like, I liked it. I'm not three, right? But that's the beauty of it. It's so simple. In a word, we could condense this gospel all the way down to three words. That entire handshake, I can summarize it in three words for you. Grace of God. And I can make it as succinct as that, but here's the beauty of it. While, it's, while it can be compact and simple enough for you to grab your hands, live, touch it, right? You can get your hands wrapped around it. You can explain it to a three-year-old. You can explain it so that anybody can understand it. And yet, it is so profound that we can continue to expand upon it and expound upon it. And we can spend the rest of our lives studying and seeking to understand and rehearsing it and talking about it. And we would never exhaust the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the grace of God. What's the God? You can't contain the gospel, right? What's the gospel? It's the grace of God. No, 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 but, but, but what does that even mean? Oh, let me tell you the, the gospel handshake that we were created to live with him and for him, but we rejected him and then he pursued us and now we can live for the rest. But what does that even mean? And we can do a four-week sermon series, one week on each part of that handshake. And then you go, but what does that even mean? And you come to citizens from the time you're in sixth grade all the way to senior year. And you're like, but what does that even mean? And then you die and go to heaven. And then you learn from Jesus. And you go, Jesus, you're a much better teacher than my youth pastor. And he's like, duh. (laughs) It's the gospel, students. And so this gospel is so powerful because it's a seed that brings new life. But not only do we have to have the seed present, we need to hear it and understand it. Do you understand the gospel? Are you one of those church kids You've kind of been faking it for a long time going, of course I know what it means because I grew up in church and I'm too embarrassed to admit I don't know what it means. 
Let's make a deal here. If you admit that you don't fully understand the gospel, I'll admit it too. Deal? Deal, Hayden? Deal. If you, if you can pledge to me, if you can promise that you will stop pretending that you understand, if you promise me that you'll never feel too stupid to ask a question, then I'll ask my questions too. What if we didn't fake it? What if we went away to winter camp in a few weeks and instead of sitting silent in our, in our cabins the entire time because we're like, I don't want people to know that I'm actually, dude, I'm actually like even a student leader here and I can't ask that question. Oh my gosh, I'm actually a youth staff here. I can't ask that question. Oh man, I'm actually the youth pastor here. I can't ask that question. <laughs> don't be surprised, of course. How about instead of pretending that we know and being scared to ask the questions, what if we just said, hey, let's just get out of the way. None of us really know the whole thing and we never will fully understand it. What if we sought to understand? Can you guys make a deal with me? Is that cool to you? Can we do that? Everybody else, are we getting? Deal? Deal. It's so important. We need to hear it, but we also need to understand it. And so, let's move on here. We're almost done. Anna, do you wanna understand the gospel? Lily, do you wanna understand the gospel? Levi, you don't wanna understand the gospel, do you? You do? Nice, he wants to understand the gospel. So here's my question. How? How do we understand the gospel? If the gospel is a seed that needs to be understood, then my question is, how do we understand it? How did the Colossians understand the grace of God in truth? How do they understand it? Why don't we read what's next? Look what he says. Just as you learned it, from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. So how did they understand the gospel clearly? With the help of spiritual leaders. God wants the world to understand the gospel, but he doesn't send textbooks. God doesn't open up the sky and say, theology books 101 all over the world, right? It's like a lightning bolt. And then people are like, whoa, it's a crater. It's Thor's hammer. No, it's a Wayne Grudem theology book. Like he's not just shooting down books out of the sky. He's not sending radio podcasts over the radio waves. How does God help the world understand the gospel? He sends people. How did the Colossians learn it? Well, they actually, they found this really cool podcast that was trending, and it was like on Colossi 104.1, The Fish. Um, and they were just like, whoa, I knew about the Jesus guy, but like this radio guy is like, whoa, what? How did they learn about the gospel? They learned it from Epaphras. There was a dude who said, I'm going to serve Jesus. That's what the word minister means. We learned that a couple weeks ago because we're contributing our God-given gifts. I'm going to minister. I'm going to serve Jesus. Jesus, I'm gonna live for you and serve you. What do you want me to do? I want you to tell people about me. Deal. So I'm gonna serve Jesus on your behalf. And so Epaphras comes and he says, let me help you understand the gospel. And he does it in two ways, with his teaching, right? He's one of those guys that like he's standing up there on Sunday and he's reading the passage of scripture from the Old Testament and they go, excuse me, Mr. Epaphras, what does that mean? He's like, please, not Mr. Epaphras, just Pap, right? So he's like, hey, Pap, what does that mean? And he goes, let me explain it to you. 
And so he explains to them things. So they understand it from his teaching, but they also understand the gospel from his life. This is a dude that when they go, man, but what does it mean? They can look at Epaphras' life as he lives it out and they go, oh, that's what it looks like to have grace. That's what it looks like to have forgiveness. That's what it looks like to honor God with lives that are worthy of the gospel. And so they learn through his teaching and through his life. You see, spiritual leaders in the church, they don't say what hypocrites say. Because here's what hypocrites say. They say, do what I say and not what I do. Said every hypocrite ever. It's like their life quote. It's like tattooed on their chest. It's like, I don't know if you're a hypocrite or not. Look at my tattoo, I am. Do what I say, not what I do. Have you guys ever heard that? Yeah. (laughs) Hypocrite, right? Spiritual leaders don't say that. This is what they say. They say, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. They say, follow me. Sam Kissy's here. As your spiritual leader, I'm calling you to follow me in my life. Am I perfect? No. So don't follow everything. Follow me to the extent that I am following Christ as I follow Christ. I'm in this with you. I'm not sitting back here saying, hey, you should do this, Why he? Hey, O'Connor, you should do this. Hey, buddy, okay, Ashton, do it. <laughs> Tell me how it works. I'm doing my own thing. I'm saying, follow me. Come on, guys, follow me. Follow my life. Get in this with me. Let's live for Jesus together. The gospel is a seed that needs to be understood with the help of spiritual leaders. So here's my question for you students. Are you in an intentional Jesus relationship with a spiritual leader? Are you? Who has God put in your life who can help you understand the gospel with their words and with their life? Who? Dude, there's, I know you guys. There's a lot of you here, and you're blessed because you have parents who can be this. And you know what? That was actually God's plan A. That's like his design. Back in Deuteronomy 6, he said, man, I really want to teach my children about me. What should I invent? Uh, Parents. You're like, parents have a purpose? (laughs) Parents aren't just here to nag me? Yes, they're here to pass on the faith. They're here to model for you. Your parents should be your primary spiritual leaders. And so there are some of you here, and that's your home. I love it. Some of you here, maybe that's not your home. But I don't care whether you have godly parents or not, there's another layer of parenting. And God has given your parents a partner, and they're called spiritual leaders. And so who has God put in your life that you can learn from? You need to answer that question because you need them. This is not optional. This is not like Chipotle where you're like, I'll take the mild sauce or the sour cream, hold the corn. Spiritual leaders, you need them. And so I'm calling you tonight, students, to answer the question, are you in an intentional relationship with a spiritual leader? They needed Epaphras. Who do you have? Let's actually do something. I'm going to do, let's pause here, okay? I'm gonna, we're going to play a game. I want you to stand up if this is you. If you're in this room, and I want you to think, right, because this may be hard. I want you to think. If you're in this room and you're fairly confident that you have never shared your story with a leader at Citizens or at NGC, I want you to stand up. How many of you are here that say, I know for a fact that I've never shared my story? Stand up, let me see. Okay. 
Keep standing. You know for a fact you have never shared your story with a leader at Citizens or, okay, wow, way more than I thought. Yeah, they're still standing. Okay. They're like, I have to think. Yes, think. Well, we can wait. We can think. I want you to stand up right now. If you, have ne- if you could say, dude, I don't have somebody in this church or in my church that I've shared my story with that I'm convinced really knows where I'm at. Wow. So here's my message to you. Stay standing. Stay standing. I want to talk to you for a second here. Here's my message to you. Let's fix that. Anna, what's up, dude? Nice to meet you. I just met her today, right? Let's fix that. There are tons of ladies here, Anna, who would love to hear your story. You know that? Let's fix that, Dorothy. Let's fix it. We have four weeks to camp. Four or three? We have three weeks to camp. What if you, take this challenge, what if you took an opportunity in the next three weeks, share your story with a leader? but I don't know who the leaders are. What if you identified them with like a lanyard so I can see them more clearly? That's a great idea. Let's do it. All right. It's done. Find a leader. You have three weeks, students. Find a leader. And all you have to say is this. Hey, I want you to feed me a meal for free so I can tell you my story. It's done. If you're feeling really bold, you can say, I want you to feed me Chick-fil-A for free um, so I can tell you my story. And every single person who's wearing a lanyard would say, deal. I'll do that. Okay, you can be seated. Maybe you're in here and you didn't stand up because you have shared your story. But have you, are, are you leaning into that relationship? Because you need to. Students, listen to me on this, okay? Listen to me when I'm talking about Epaphras here. You gotta let them in. You gotta let them in. You have to let them in. I know how countercultural it is. I know how weird it is from the outside when your friends go, dude, you talk to adults? Like you actually hang out with them? Like some of you guys go, like Tolly's house, right? They go over to Tolly's house every other Sunday night, is that correct, right? And they go and they talk to Liv. Like Liv is cool and all, but she's like not a kid. Like she's an adult. She has a job. Whoa. <laughs> it's like the ultimate status of cool on the playground. I got an A. I got an Apple Watch. I got a job, right? (laughs) She's an adult. I know how weird it is when people go, dude, like you talk to her about like, I know you like talk to them, but like you talk, talk to them. I get that that's weird, but you know what? You need them. So let them in. Let them in, students. You know why? Because they, these leaders, they will help you understand the gospel. A lot of times when I hang out with my small group dudes, it's not like we're at the whiteboard saying, can you please share with me the quadratic equation of faith again because I'm really trying to understand. No, no, sometimes what understanding the gospel looks like means let's talk about a situation in your life and saying, how does the fact that you're a follower of Jesus affect that? That's understanding the gospel. Sometimes we go out, right, and we see somebody who just looks like they're alone and I go, you know what, why don't we just pick them up, get in the car, let's take them with us because that's, that, because that's the gospel, Because we have an opportunity to demonstrate what God has done for us. Sometimes in my small group, we'll talk about giving our money. What is that about? That's not the gospel. Yes, it is. Because we're understanding how what God has done for us affects the way that we give our money and how we're generous. Let them in. Let them in. I tell this, every single person with a lanyard, and I'm gonna go on a spiel here. Every single person with a lanyard has heard this spiel from me, okay? Let it be written, let it be said right now, I'm saying it to you too, okay? I have a vision here. I have a vision 
of Citizens Youth, and I've never told a student this, I always tell my leaders, my vision is that five years from now, 2024, <clears throat> I got vision. <laughs> I have a vision that like five years from now, I'm gonna stand up here, right? And this room is packed and you guys are further back. Like you're like, people are on the back side of the curtain because you didn't get here in time. So it's like, shame on you, don't look at me. It's like first class, and then we're gonna have like economy class. Right, we're gonna like put bathrooms here. It's gonna be awesome. But that's not my vision. My vision is one of those days I'm gonna stand up here and like randomly I'm just gonna point. I'm just gonna point. I'm gonna point to a student. And I'm gonna say, who's got her? Who's got him? Who's got her? I just met Emily today. Hi, Emily. Welcome to Citizens. Who's got Emily? And this is my vision that every single student in this room can have somebody on the youth staff that says, that's my girl, that's Emily. She goes to Cascade Middle School. She's in eighth grade. She's been at Citizens for four years now because she came four years ago when Sam was doing the crazy thing, right? I, she's my, she's got baptized. She goes to Living Water. I know where she's at. She's in an intentional Jesus relationship. That's my vision, students. But it's not enough for us to have this vision while you guys run around saying, come and get me, leaders. I mean, that would be kind of fun. We'll do that at camp, maybe. But, like, there's a difference between playing, like, hide-and-seek at camp and between playing hide-and-seek with your soul. And a lot of you guys right now are playing hide-and-seek. A lot of you guys are like, dude, I love coming to Wednesday night. I love having Sam be the person who helps me understand. But I'm telling you, students, if you only come to the big room, you're missing out on what God has for you. If you only come to the big room and you're not living life with these messy people who are called spiritual leaders, you're missing out. You're missing out. And so when you come to us and say, hey, Sam said you're gonna buy me Chick-fil-A so I can tell you my story. You know what they're gonna say to you? No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's just get out of the way. They're not gonna say that. Here's what they're gonna say. They're gonna say first Thessalonians. Oh, that's what we do. Ta-da. Let's do that again. That was kind of fun. You ready? And this time when I do it, I want you to say, ooh. Ready? So uh, this is why at Citizens we embrace godly authority. Ooh. You don't do ooh two times. <laughs> you savages. It's ah. Try it again. Ready? You already said ooh. And now you say ah. Very good. And you know what we're going to say when you try to let us in? You know what we're going to say? We're gonna tell you what one of our favorite verses as Citizens Youth, we're gonna say, so being affectionately desirous of you, we are ready, change the verb tense to present tense because we're having this conversation at Chick-fil-A, we are ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you've become very dear to us. When Morgan comes to me and says, Sam, I just need to tell you my story, man, because I'm here, I'm in the band, I'm even on the guitar, I'm shredding it, but like nobody knows me. When he comes and tells me that, and I'm like, bro, only one question, pickles or no pickles, right? And we do that. I'm going to say, hey, bro, I love you so much. You have become so dear to me. I'm like, literally, bro, I am so grateful for God's redemption in your life, man. I'm so grateful that the Lord has saved you and has brought you into new life. I love that so much that I don't just want to share with you a message on Wednesday nights. Dude, I want to share with you my life. I want you to come into my home. I want you to do life with me. There are leaders all over this room who would say that to you. Let them in. Let them in. How does God make dead people live, huh? Are you dead or alive? I asked you that question last week. Are you dead or alive? 
So many of you are alive. Many of you have experienced the new life of Jesus Christ. And it's good for you to remember how you got there. Some of you are saying, Sam, I'm not a Christian. I'm just kind of observing and I'm learning. But then you need to understand the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And he has come to save you. And he can bring you into his family. And I don't care how dirty you are. I don't care how messed up you think you are. I don't care how good you think you are. You're not. Jesus can bring you to live the life you were created to live. Worshiping and glorifying the only one who is deserving of that. You want to be a part of something bigger than you? Follow the Lord. The gospel is the seed that needs to be understood with the help of spiritual leaders. And so, Anna, why don't you lead the band up here? We're going to respond, and I want to do something fun here, okay? Because I'm talking a lot about leaders. And so here's what I want us to do. I'm going to have our leaders stand up. Uh, So I see Lila. Why don't you go ahead and stand? (coughs) Brock, Ryan, Becca, Supon, Billy, Joe, Josh. Joe, Josh, Jacob, Jingleheimer, Schmidt, Ashley. Yes. So we're going to stand. And here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to stand up. And I want you to go and surround these leaders. So find a leader near you. I want you to surround them. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell you a secret here. I know that you guys know that you need prayer, but do you know that we need prayer too? (gasps) And so we're going to pray. I want you to pray for these leaders specifically. So yeah, so Burchette, Ocampo, Nick, Nick and Ocampo go over there, Mason in the corner, Jack, go pray for Adam. I want you to gather around these leaders and I just want you to pray. I want you to thank God for them. I want you to thank God for them, and I want you to pray that God would continue to use them. So maybe a few of you around, lead out in prayer. Yep, pray right now, go around. And after we pray, we're gonna sing. So let's pray.